0: Hello, everyone. Eric Bailey, alongside Eli Letterman, for a bittersweet podcast here at the Tulsa World. This is Eli's final podcast with us, working with the Tulsa World, and uh, he's not going to go far. But we're going to really miss having Eli here. Uh, Really enjoyed the last two years, Eli. I'll I'll let you take it away from here.
1: Well, you said it right. And bittersweet is correct because that's how it feels. I guess. But recording today, Thursday afternoon. This will go out Friday morning. And Friday will be my last day at the Tulsa World, like two years and two weeks, roughly after I arrived in August 2021. Um, I won't be going far. Uh, I'll still be reporting on sports here in the state. For better or worse, everybody, this is not the last of me. You haven't gotten rid of me yet. Uh, and so I will be around. But um, I mean, Eric, you, you know, bittersweet. Uh, it's. I'm going to miss working with you. I'm glad I'll be working alongside you still. Uh, you'll see plenty of me. But. Uh, it's I'll say it ten times over, but you know everything I owe to the world, to you, to everybody there for um, everything from when I was an intern in 2019 to coming back to to work full time for for these last two years. It's been special. Um, I'll always be grateful, and uh, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss a lot of this, especially including sitting down and doing this pod with you every week.
0: <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, we'll, I want to hit upon some of the highlights of your two years here. It's been a lot of fun. Had a lot of laughs. Uh, we saw we saw some interesting things happen uh, during your two years. Things that really in the history of Oklahoma football, it'll be a big long chapter of it. But uh, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about fall camp. And you know, of course, that's what everyone's here for. And and you know, we're just a couple of weeks away from uh, the season opener. We're two weeks from Saturday. It's hard to believe. It's 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 barreling down on us. And a scrimmage this week. And we got a chance to talk to Ted Roof this week. And Exciting time for the Sooners. I think there's a lot of expectations, a lot of excitement uh, in everything. Everyone's ready really just to play some football.
1: I think like measured optimism would maybe be a a way of putting it in OU camp because on the one hand, we know they feel just so much better about what they have this year, competitive depth that we've been banged over the head with that term. But they're deeper. They're better. You know, you look at the D line, they're bigger, stronger, more talented than a year ago. There's a lot of positions where they feel that's the case. And then on the flip side, you know, you talk to Brent Venables and Ted Roof after their first scrimmage. We got them between scrimmage, scrimmage number one, which was Saturday, and then uh, Wednesday they got there again. We talked to them Monday, Tuesday, and it's still, you know, long way to go. Plenty of work still to do. They're not there yet, but I don't know many teams in the country or many coaches in the country that feel that they're there yet in mid-August. Um, but But the optimism is there about where this defense is. We know how much better they've got to be about where the competitive depth is uh, all around. There's still questions, things that I don't think we're really gonna know the answer to until September, you know, mid-September, October, maybe. But uh, they're coming along and I think the vibes are, are pretty strong in Norman.
0: You know, it's funny because I wrote a story today uh, about not only just where they're at but as a team, but in fall camp, there's gonna be some highs and lows. It's just the mid part of fall camp is probably the toughest because first part of fall camp, the player's excited to hit, put the pads on, just played football again. They're excited. Uh, now they're in the middle part of ball camp where everything's just a drag. It's almost like Groundhog Day. You get up, you work out, you go to film room, you study. It, it's got to be just a grind. And that first game's still two weeks away. You know, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. I think that's what a lot of these players are going through right now. Uh, Reggie Pearson talked about a story about how he didn't have the first scrimmage that he wanted. And, uh, you know, we haven't talked to him since Wednesday scrimmage, but he said that the good thing is to make these mistakes on Wednesdays. They just don't let them, you know, he learned that from um, watching Hard Knocks. He says the mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes on Wednesdays, just don't let them happen on Sundays. Uh, same thing with Isaiah Coe. Isaiah Coe said, you know, there's going to things happen, things are going to happen in practices that'll make you better on Saturdays. So I'm just impressed with the leadership that this team has. And that's what they had. You're looking at team leaders that took their lumps last year, like Isaiah Cole. they No one expected them to go six and seven, and they're going to learn from that. It's going to make them stronger, only not only physically, but mentally. They're going to know what it's like to play in those tight games and how to overcome them. I think that's something that's been stressed upon them this fall camp as well.
1: And I think the leadership's an important point to touch on, mostly, you know, at least in part by virtue of the leaders they lost from last year. Braden Willis, Eric Gray, Marvin Mims, Anton Harrison, Deshaun White, the list goes on all those guys are gone from a year ago. And they were, you know, even on a team that struggled, the central leaders. And so you, would, you could at least look at this roster now and say, well, who's stepping up? And it, it seems like every position group has a guy or two that we're hearing about. Uh, Dylan Gabriel goes without saying. It's been that way since he got onto campus in January of 2022. Uh, you know, but Danny Stutzman, mm-hmm. so clearly, you know, at this time last year, we were talking about a guy who maybe needed to, to build on a good freshman season and come into his own. And he was the breakout star, and, and you know Brent has Brent Venables spoken about his uh, progression as a leader, and now he's he seems to be the heart and soul of that defense. And you've got more guys like that at almost every position. That the defensive line group is is older. You've got you know even if they weren't here in the past, you know Trace Ford, uh, Rondell Bothroyd, uh, DJ Terry. There's veteran guys, so they they seem older and maybe more mature this year. Certain leaders that that feel like they'll step into the gaps that were left behind uh, by those other guys.
0: And the thing about those transfer players, especially those older ones, they really feel like they have something to prove. They came here for a reason. They want to win football games. And yet they also came here because they know that they're expected to come and make an immediate impact. So there's a lot of reasons for them to come and have a lot of um, high, high value of themselves and know that Brent Venables brought them on campus to make an impact. And I think that's huge too. And these leaders, they want to go out strong. Uh, and so I, I'm really impressed as, and really I'm really excited with the opportunity to see how they react to the fire on September 2nd. And uh, I'm looking forward to that depth chart, really. (laughs) Seeing that first game week depth chart, what that looks like. We're hearing a lot of things out of fall camp, uh, but what's that depth chart going to look like? Uh, Who are some of those players, those transfer players that are really emerged as those starters on the field? That's what I kind of, kind of looking forward to as well.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny. The depth chart in some ways feels filled in, you know, he's going to be the quarterback. You know, running back, I think, early weeks, everyone will get their shots. Maybe same at, at the wide receiver spots. Um, but then, you know, starting cornerback, it, it sounds like Woody Washington is, you can pencil him in, no problem, but is it going to be Gentry Williams? Will it be Kendall Dolby, the NEO transfer? They've got some freshmen who, you know, you'd be surprised, but, you know, have gotten rave reviews uh, this month. And and same in the, sa- you know, the, the safeties. I'm pretty confident, Billy, you know, Billy Bowman will have his spot, but, Beyond that, where does Reggie Pearson fit in? san McCullough and Justin Harrington bring different things at uh, at the cheetah spot. Will, will it be Harrington's experience, or will it be what appears to be just the the talent and a you know physical ability that San McCullough has as he settles into the position? So there's spots you'd be curious about, but I, I think the good news is, outside of maybe that starting corner spot, there's nowhere I'd look and say, "Wow, we really got to keep an eye on that." You know, left guard, for instance. I think Savion Bird. Um, is the only, or that left guard spot's probably the only question mark, but Savion Bird, by all accounts, has been impressive. Walter Rouse, uh, Stanford transfers and play tackle, talked about developing their relationship and and already kind of getting to the, like, unspoken understanding, things we don't even need to say anymore. That's what you want to hear. And so it really is that it's that cornerback spot, and, and maybe it's Trentry Williams is to go take, uh, that you'd have questions about. But for all the work they've got to do and all the work they had to do this offseason, the depth chart feels settled-ish, which is, I think, a good place to be right now.
0: And it goes back to what you said, competitive depth. I mean, that's, the, that's what there we've been hammered into us. That's If it's hammered into us, can you imagine what it's like on that practice field all the oh, time? Yeah, that's something else. So. Well, Eli, let, let's talk a little bit about your time here with the Tulsa World. And the obvious question I have for you, and I, and I had a list of questions, is so what was your favorite moment? You know, it's only been two years uh not we wouldn't we know what the most newsworthy moment was during this stretch but what was your your favorite moment
1: favorite moment what what was the most newsworthy stretch is that filibuster here
0: yeah well you know i don't know maybe last december i don't know yeah 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 december uh,
1: 2021 after that bedlam game and
0: yeah when we thought oh okay the life can we for 12 hours we thought okay life is going to be normal and then 12 hours later yeah exactly but well, he didn't go to LSU man
1: he didn't go to LSU yeah, I guess
0: he didn't lie huh <laughs> uh, but no. well
1: uh, my favorite moment I would say actually in terms of well in terms of games we covered together that Bedlam game which was I had been in Stillwater where I began with the world for about four months and it was a pretty magical season up there for the Cowboys but that Bedlam game had everything it was my introduction to the, to the rivalry it was a huge game nationally and uh, you know, I went in thinking, everyone said, oh, the Pope choke, this, that, like, you don't know it yet, but, you know, Oklahoma State's going to do what they do in this game. And for a couple quarters there, where OU was doing things to OSU that had, you know, other teams hadn't really done all year with that defense that that OSU had, I was beginning to believe the myth. And then Spencer Sanders and o- OSU pulled off that comeback and and that, and, you know, walking across the field just to get to interviews that night, all the students on the field and all that that was like the quintessential kind of introduction to, to bedlam to these two schools. Obviously not long after that, I jumped onto OU with you. Uh, and, and that takes me to the second one or outside looking in is our trip to Nebraska last fall. But I'll, I'll say this, my first cotton bowl experience red river this year, walking around with you and, and Garen Emig, our former colleague here. Uh, that was a special day. Uh, it wasn't a special day for most sooner fans one they'd like to forget, but, uh, for me, that was pretty special to sit there eating Rudy's banana pudding, like 9 a.m. with you two <laughs> uh, is one I'll always remember.
0: What about basketball? You covered OSU one year, OU one year. What was your favorite basketball moment out of those two years?
1: Well, um, this Missouri grad wouldn't care to re- admit it publicly, but the two trips to Allen Fieldhouse were uh, uh, were just special. Uh covered both Oklahoma State and, uh, and Oklahoma there. And just getting to experience that that environment, that arena, everything it has was was special. It really is distinct from, I think, just about anything else in college basketball. Uh, And I'll say on my second trip there this year when I went to cover OU, uh, Sooners could have had a win there if they didn't. But my assignment that night was to just watch Porter Moser for 40 minutes. And I took notes on every mannerism, every time he turned to the bench, every time he got frustrated with somebody. And so sitting just in a seat, I found one open seat in Allen Fieldhouse, wasn't in the press box uh, or press seating. I sat there and, and watched him. Uh, and that was a fun story to write and, and getting to just sit there and do that environment. Um, was one of those not quite a pinch yourself journalism moment. But uh, at, at one point, I just sat back and said, I'm in Allen Fieldhouse. I'm doing the thing. Uh, and that was pretty special.
0: And now Doc Sadler, who you wrote a big story about, is, well, going to be, you know what? is he going to be living outside Allen Fieldhouse? That's what That's I'm a wondering.
1: great question. It's a great question. And so, well, what's funny there? Full circle. And that's actually maybe why it was the best basketball trip I took. That is where I introduced myself to Doc Sadler. And a week later, we ran into each other outside of his van in the parking lot at Lloyd Noble. And there we were. That's one of my favorite stories I've ever done. Certainly the world was that one. Uh, I, I need to check in. I, I'll I keep in touch with Tanya, his wife, and I keep in touch with him. I got to find out if he's gonna park the uh, the RV now. They've upgraded, but the RV outside of Allen Fieldhouse.
0: There was a trip this year, and it turns out it was the last OU cover game you covered for the Tulsa World. You were the one beat writer who made it to Orlando safely out of <laughs> everybody trying to get there during Christmas time because everyone booked Southwest. Uh, take us through that trip, and what was it like from the outside trying to see everyone? Because you were in New York at the time, watching everyone trying to get to Florida from Oklahoma.
1: Everybody else had, I mean, what, running through it. You had flights canceled. John Hoover had flights canceled. Uh, Jesse Crittenden and Ryan Aber had to run up driving from their connection in St. Louis all the way down. And I had a, a nothing <laughs> nothing direct flight that got me there, no problem. I was the only one at practice that day. We had an open invite to practice and the only media member on site was, was me. Um, But you know what, that trip was fun because I mean, we saw a a good game in the end uh, there and, you know, everyone made it eventually just about, but once everyone was there, Eric, that was one of those days where I said, you know what, the beat is going to go do something they wouldn't normally do today. And that was when we made a group visit to that Brazilian bakery in Orlando. And that, I mean, that's the stuff and it's what, you know, it's good. I'm we're, we're still gonna to get to do those things. I'm not going far, but it's when we whenever we were on these trips and we can go do something fun like that. That's those are the moments you relish. The games are great, but that, that's the best stuff.
0: We are gonna have we're gonna be missing a couple of colleagues, uh, Ian Mall and Darren Emig, who used to work at the Tulsa World. But what, what did those two mean to you? I mean, the four of us made so many road trips together. We're all still close friends to this day, but what what did it mean to work alongside those two? And when the four of us were together, what were those trips like?
1: I mean, it's those two and you. It's like three of the most influential people in my life, genuinely. Um, So it's hard to even describe it. But I don't know. The fever dream of our trip to Nebraska kind of sums it up, where it was just the four of us. It was was a pretty long trip to get up there relative to when we're going to Texas or Kansas or things like that. And that thing just flew by both ways because we were just talking. We were making playlists and uh, playing games with music and stuff like that. I think that was the trip on the way back. We were playing, uh, <laughs> we had some version of like, would you rather? We were, we were doing that uh, like name game, the the one with the movies and directors, whatever it was. Point is it was spending that time with you guys. Um, that's what, ma- that's what has made the Tulsa world special. Yes. The opportunities have been incredible. I'm so, you know, blessed to, to have done what I've gotten to do here, to have had the opportunities I have, but it, it's the people. And that extends beyond you three into that newsroom, everybody there, but it, it was moments like those with Garen and Ian and you and just laughing our tails off, uh, probably about something idiotic uh, and, and just doing a trip like that together. That That's the sweet stuff. And that's been the, the greatest professional blessing of the whole thing.
0: You were here uh, 21. Uh, August twenty one to August twenty three, but you first appeared in the Tulsa World in twenty nineteen as a summer intern. Uh, you're originally from uh, where? Where in New York? New York, um,
1: Marigny, New York, just north of the city.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what was it like in twenty nineteen to be an intern at the Tulsa World? Did you know anything about Tulsa? Had you ever been to Tulsa? What, how did you end up in in Tulsa in twenty nineteen as a summer intern?
1: story I tell students around internship season when everyone's scrambling to try to get that summer internship I would wager to guess in my junior year of college I sent out you know 50 60 70 internship applications and probably the very last one I did and probably one where I was sitting there in my room on a Thursday night Ah, maybe I should go you know do I go out with the guys or do I like do this one it was a in my mind then, it was a throwaway. I got, you know, just do one more internship application. I didn't hear from anybody else but the Tulsa world. Michael Peters got in touch with me that February and on a whim, I'd never been to Tulsa, never considered it, um, said, yep, I'll come there this summer. And uh, so June came around. It was right after there were those floods in late May, 2019. And I arrived, the, you know, everything, the, the skies were clear when I got there but the damage was still present all over the city. But that was when I arrived. My dad and I drove cross-country, uh, made a couple stops, and, there I, and, and then he left. And suddenly I was in Tulsa working for the Tulsa World where I knew nobody. Um, but that summer was a springboard for me. It was that first opportunity to just live and exist as a, a journalist and to do it. So the Tulsa World has been the place where I've grown and, and had the most meaningful opportunities of my career, both as an intern first and, and then coming back to work full-time. Um, and it's why this place, these people will always be so special to me and will always have a place in my heart.
0: One final question. uh, Covering Oklahoma athletics, uh, how much fun is it uh, and and this Tulsa? I mean, just sum up covering OU. I mean, it's, I've done it for a lot of years, and maybe uh, I still get a kick out of every day, every day. I mean, even after covering it uh, over a decade, I still love my job, and for you, you know, you've had one year on the beat. You covered OSU your first year. You've been at you. OU. What's it been like covering it? This is my last question. What's it meant to you covering OU athletics? How much fun has it been from basketball to softball to gymnastics to, to, to of course, football?
1: It's, I mean, it, it's special to be covering what what many people consider to be the most important thing in the state. If you're an OU fan. I, I think, you know, you're probably more concerned with what's going on in Norman than what's going on with Capitol and OKC. And and other things around the state, it it is the thing in the state, and and to be in the middle of that, and to you know have the access that we do, and to spend the time around the people that we do, and to tell the stories that we do, to report on the stories we do, is it's special. And you know that's as an outsider, I didn't grow up here, um, you know, idolizing Bob Stoops or or Sam Bradford. I can say I remember watching that national title game in two thousand eight, but. Uh, you know, that's uh, someone who didn't grow up here. I I, re- I can recognize and feel how special it is. And then the second bit of that, and Eric, you know, there's reminders all the time. We got one this week, but just how special the group of people we work alongside um, are. I mean, it's we compete, but um, there's so many people on that beat that I know would do just about anything for me. I mean, I can say George Stoya two weeks ago, I dislocated my shoulder, and who picked me up uh, at at the ER at eleven fifteen at night, someone from the OU beat, uh, another o- ER experience. But I got my wisdom teeth out. Ryan Chapman picked me up and I was loopy and the whole thing. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, it's two, two small examples of just the, the quality of people that we work around and that, you know, on a Saturday night on deadline, we might be, you know, elbowing each other and, and whatever, but the group of people in Norman who, who cover the sports there, Around OU are are genuinely special. I'm glad I'm not leaving that group. Um, but th- that's on top of all the cool stuff that we've gotten to cover and to be around, and we'll get to continue to to do. That's that's what really really does it for me.
0: And you mentioned it. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, my my brother passed away on August the 31st unexpectedly, and it's been a tough tough two and a half three weeks for me and my family. And the OU beat really stepped up and surprised me. Uh, earlier this week, they, uh, and thanks to Eli, who really engineered this, um, put together a memorial scholarship at uh, my alma mater, Haskell Indian Nations University, under his name, and uh, I've talked to some people up there, and they're excited about it up there, too. They think it's the coolest thing, and it's it's really an honor. My mom broke down crying when she heard about it, and it's a really neat tribute to my brother, uh, who, who meant the world to me. I mean, it was just me and him, so Uh, and I publicly, let me tell you, I've told you many times, thank you, Eli, but publicly on this podcast, let me tell you, thank you so, so much. It meant so much to me that day. And it meant a lot to the, like you mentioned the beat, they're my second family. And I've said that for many years and that really solidified it and totally unexpected did did not expect that at all. Uh, but there are so many special people that I would do anything for. And by, by that gesture, it really proves they do anything for me. And I, I, you know, you always know that. Uh, but but just to see it, it really meant a lot. And, uh, uh, I'm, and I told Eli before this podcast started, I'm I'm really behind on my OU coverage. I'm still trying to learn. You know, I'm, I'm depth charts, battles. I'm I'm behind, so I'm catching up. I'm playing catch up right now. But uh, Eli, you've done a, so much work these past two weeks with me being out of pocket. I appreciate that so much. Uh, anyone else? who knew that they were going to move on to another job or do something different, they would have melded in and just said, oh, I'm just not going to get my 100%. But during these past two weeks when I've been gone and you knew you were leaving, you didn't, you didn't, you went, you went faster, you went harder. And that's just a, that speaks a lot to your integrity and your, your willingness to work your work ethic. And I appreciate that so much. And I know our bosses of the torso world really, really appreciate you a bunch for that.
1: Well, it's all love. I mean, you found out this week, if you didn't know before, what the people around you are capable of and what they feel about you. Um, and it was, it was for you, it was nothing. Um, and I'll say, I guess we, I think we're too conservative with the term love, but Eric, it's all love. It's also world. It's, it's been that way and it'll remain that way. Um, and before we wrap up, the two things, the last two items, one is the fact that for a good year and a half, I don't, it's got to be some sort of uh, neurological neurological <laughs> bump for you, but between myself and Ian Mall, we've been interchangeable in your mind. You'll say, even as we were preparing to do this podcast, you know, you said, I'm going to ask you about Garen and Eli. And I said, Garen and Eli, and he threw back laughing because Ian uh, <laughs> and I, uh, we kept the count at one point. I think he still has us a round of drinks.
0: A lot of rounds things, of drinks.
1: <laughs> based on that. Uh, the <laughs> other one with, where all four of us were involved. We'll never I'll get a kick out of forever. We were in Arlington before Big 12 Media Days 2022, and we all ordered our food. We were at a Mexican restaurant, and you ordered some beef thing, and you got up, sold on Wagyu beef at that Mexican spot in Arlington, and we laughed about it the rest of that weekend. I mean, that's,
0: that's
1: the kind of stuff that smiles on our faces for the last two years and what's made it such a joy.
0: I so thank you for all that. When you mentioned Arlington, I thought you were going to mention the Airbnb. Uh, We got an Airbnb. Yeah, we're going to tell a story. We better slow down. We're going to tell stories. We (laughs) we got an Airbnb uh, one time, the four of us, and we invited a couple people over for a Friday night get-together. And pretty soon we look up and there's 30 of the OU beat in this one house where there's no parties allowed. (laughs) The doorbell keeps ringing and more people keep showing up. It felt like we were in high school again where the parents are away and more people word got out that the house was empty. And uh, that was a fun weekend in Arlington. And then also the the, the hot tub in the back. Everyone was oh. yeah. Uh, we did
1: used to that one, that trip. And <laughs> uh I'll say this your Mr. Marriott, Eric Bailey, you, me, Ian Maul headed to Lubbock, Texas, and you go, let me just check to make sure i booked hotels. <laughs> uh and you hadn't. And, and so we soldiered on all the way to Lubbock that night.
0: We were supposed to stay in Wichita Falls <laughs> and, and do the rest of the trip to Lubbock the next morning and 20 miles outside of Wichita Falls. Let me see where we're staying at. And I forgot to book them. So we drove the next three hours. And uh, yeah. More than three. Yeah. Ian didn't let me hear the end of it the whole way. <laughs> so yeah. There's all kinds of stories. We could go on and on. And that's what I'll miss. But like you said, it's not It's not goodbye. It's uh, see you later. Yeah. For, you. Yeah. for me and you, it's not goodbye. It's see you later. So I appreciate that. I, so that's why this is a bittersweet Uh Indeed podcast so
1: and eric you know i'll i'll tell you over and over but to you thank you for everything it's fun for the mentorship the guidance all of it yeah so uh, you too. special
0: you yep. know so all right for uh this week we'll say goodbye to eli and uh you know we'll uh we'll make some announcements this tulsa world coming shortly about what our we the future of oklahoma we're not going anywhere so we'll have more podcasts to come you can check us out spotify google Apple wherever you get your podcast and uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with more about Oklahoma football and University of Oklahoma athletics